Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion. During the month of March, we will be having a few extra weekly episodes and today's is an extra special one. As many of you will know, Park Lane Stables reached their campaign target of £1 million to save our stables at the end of February. And to get all the latest news from Teddington, I went back to the stables to chat to Natalie O'Rourke with the help of ponies Lily and Elliot in the background. In today's podcast, we focused on the support given by the horse racing industry to save our stables. Coming up later this week, you will hear from Denise O'Neill, an inclusion coach with Capital Kids Cricket, about some fantastic work they are doing in London hospitals. Enjoy today's podcast with Natalie, Lily and Elliot. Hello, Natalie. Welcome back to the Paddock and the Pavilion. Hi, Stephen. Thanks so much for having me back on. Well, congratulations on saving our stables at Park Lane. So much has happened since we last spoke on the 24th of January. Gosh, yeah, that feels like forever ago, really. Yeah, a lot has happened since, since then in a really, really short time. But um. Just want to say a really big thank you to all your listeners that got behind us from, well, if it was the 24th of January, then from day 24. But um, we've had a really massive support from from people that heard your podcast. So thank you. It really made such a difference. Well, thank you for that. And actually, I've got a question from one of our listeners, or two of our listeners, Alan and Paula. And they come from, from March in Cambridgeshire, where I'm from. And they, they've been big supporters of the uh, Save Our Stables. And they wanted to know whether you were getting more sleep. Yeah, I am now. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I was literally rationing my sleep like a soldier because I just worked out that I couldn't waste any of the time that we had remaining by sleeping. So I was on sleep rations 
and then when it ended I thought oh I'll sleep and everyone thought I would but my brain just wouldn't switch off so then it took me a few days to sort of press reset in my brain and um yeah happy to say that I had a, I had a good night's sleep last night so normal normal businesses resumed here at the stables <laughs> well that that's good to hear well since we last spoke you've been on uh, national television on BBC, ITV, you've been in the national press, and now you've even had an invite from the Queen. And we're going to talk about that later. You know, you've said what it's been like, but what's your reaction now um, after the crowdfunding appeal has ended? Well, just just total gratitude, to be honest, to everybody that's got behind us. I mean, the really amazing thing is that we did this with the power of the people. We didn't get any big corporates behind us. We didn't get any um, money from our governing bodies. It was it was pure and simple, the power of the people. Elliot's disagreeing with me. But yeah, he's shaking <laughs> his head in the background there, yeah. Yeah, he's shaking his head. But... Um, but no, it was it was pure and simple people power. And um, I don't know if this is the right time to mention this, but there was one gentleman from uh, the racing industry. So he's a racehorse owner and he doesn't want his name to be put out there. But he came in at a really pivotal time because we'd kind of stalled. What had happened was all the local people had given support. I'd saturated my social media. So I'd, I'd basically spoken to every single person that I knew or every single person that had ever been here and they donated so we were kind of like yeah we'd stalled is a really good way of putting it and um somebody came forward that was a race horse owner and I had an hour on the phone with him and he asked me loads of questions you know it was a bit like Jack and Stan and I didn't know where the conversation was going and um at the end of the conversation he said I'm going to I'm going to give you 50,000 pounds and um, and I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I was I was thinking, oh, what do I say? Do I say wow, or do I say oh? And, and I was trying really hard to like measure my sort of um, reaction to him. But um, anyway, he 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 came through good as his word, and he pledged fifty thousand pounds. But what happened was then that gave me personally like a massive boost to carry on. I thought yes. He, he just came in at the right time to give us the boost that we needed. But also, I think it made a few other people go, oh, hang on, somebody's, you know, given them a big chunk there and believes in them, and it's got other people to, to, to donate as well. And then he spoke to a few of his friends in the racing industry uh, that are racehorse owners as well, and they put in um, significant amounts. So um, although, like, we're... We're kind of like worlds apart from the racing industry because, like, you know, we've got cobs and sort of safe as houses type ponies and horses here. But what was just so heartwarming for us was that the racing industry got behind us and really believed in us and wanted to support us and really wanted us to be successful. And and that was just, that was so amazing for us. And we're really, really grateful and I hope that they all know what a massive difference they made to us. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Going back just briefly about the television appearances, did you get much notice before you were on BBC Breakfast Time, Good Morning Britain, and and Eamon and uh, Ruth as well? The Eamon and Ruth one was a bit dodgy. (laughs) Um, We had to do that one on an iPad with very short notice. Um, I'm sure they looked after you. 
Yeah, it was just that it was us doing the te technical bits. So us being horse people, you know, we're not we're not the best at technology. So it was that that was the most sort of um, most fraught one, really. The BBC breakfast, I think we got about maybe I don't know, maybe twenty four hours notice uh, for the first one. But then what happened was the presenter uh, Fiona Lambdin, her name is, she left, and um, she phoned me about forty five minutes later and said. Nessie, I think I'm going to have to come back. And I said, no, don't be silly. Because obviously the money was going up. But I said, oh, don't be silly. I said, you know, it, it'll maybe come back in a few days or, or next week. And we can do like the celebratory bit. But then she phoned me again about 15 minutes later. And she said, I'm coming back. We're coming back with the camera. We're coming now. Because they could see that we were going to hit the million. So they came straight back. And... um it was really lovely because we hit the million and then all the local people were coming and congratulating us and the BBC were here to, to capture all of that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hats off to the BBC. They, they put it together really well. And I think that what what is our version of normal, which is obviously our version of normal is dealing with people with disabilities all day, every day, and that's just what we do. But the BBC managed to put it across in such a way that it touched thousands of people. Um, and we were quite astonished by that because obviously it's our ordinary, but to other people it was extraordinary. And that's what made them get behind us, I think. And other people have said that it was because when they asked me the question and said, um, what would I do if we fail? Or they asked me something like that and I said, I don't even allow my headspace to go there. It's just a waste of my energy. And people said that that that's perhaps what made people believe in us as well, because I was not going to entertain any negativity. It was failure was not an option, really. Yeah, I remember you ask uh, answering in that fashion. So what what happens now that you've you've raised the million? Actually, even you've gone past the million, haven't you? Yeah, we've gone past the million. So um, I think we're about one point three at the moment. Well, we're, 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 we're a really tiny place and we're really, um, we were a tiny, we were a tiny charity and we've gone from being a tiny charity to now being like a medium sized charity. So it's all a bit of a shock, to be honest, um, that it happened so quickly. So um, we've had to take some professional advice on how to move forward because um, it's such a big change for us and it's such a lot of money. We're, we're really mindful of not getting the next part wrong. So last Friday, we just pressed pause and we thought, let's just not do anything over this weekend. Let's just let's just try and get our heads together. And so we did that. Then we had a trustee meeting on Monday. And then basically, we've, we've some people that we trust um, that are more au fait with this type of thing, they're, um, they're actually guiding us through the through the next phase so um we've obviously got to get the purchase through and then what we really want to do is obviously find some grazing that we can call ours so but we are being guided through that because it is a bit of a minefield and um crowdfunder actually holding the money for us until uh, for a while because that was the other thing it was it was a bit of um bit of a responsibility having all that money 
Um, we were a bit worried about that. So crowdfunder very kindly said they'll hold it in escrow um, until we're ready to draw it down. And that took a lot of pressure off us because it, in a normal crowdfunding situation, the money would be drawn down within um, like seven days. But because we we weren't quite ready, so um, and we all felt a little bit, you know, unsure so that they're holding it for us. And I've got to give them their due. They've been absolutely brilliant. Like, They've held our hand the whole way through this process, and um, and they still are. So, yeah, they, they've been brilliant. So, when does the lease run out? Thirty first of May. Right. So you've got a bit of time, and We've got um, a bit of time, not loads. <laughs> no, and I've read some reports that you might be buying some extra land as well. Is that is that right? To- yeah, so that's like how blue sky thinking is that because um, at the moment we went fifteen acres off the crown and. Um, uh it's quite expensive but it's not really that it's just the fact that it could be taken away from us so if we were to buy our own grazing then it will just mean that we've always got grazing available to us which obviously in the area that we are in in southwest london grazing is not uh that easy to come by so yeah in an ideal world that's what we'll do we'll buy our own land and then we'll know that, that we've always got somewhere to turn them out and, and that would be a massive pressure off us as well. Well, it sounds like you're taking some good professional advice. Do you also think you might do more lessons and things like that as well? Yeah, I, I don't know if we can do more because we were doing 3,000 a year before mm. the COVID. So I couldn't put my hand on my heart and say we could do more be- without, you know, putting ourselves in hospital because there's, we're a really small team. So... I think in time we will expand and hopefully we'll be able to recruit some more people but we're not going to rush into that because they have to be the right people and also if we were to expand we'd need to get more horses and as you know they've got to be right for the job so we're not going to rush into anything and what we will be able to do is offer more for less so we'll be able to offer more free riding and more subsidized riding and driving and just and just therapy sessions really so that's really nice because obviously our overheads are going to be reduced so it means that we can we can offer more to people that really need us so so that's a really nice position for us to be in well that's very nice to hear because obviously the community local community have helped save save our stables haven't they yeah and the community are just really surprised just because the thing is we're always here and people know we're here but you know um they they don't they probably didn't have a ma- massive awareness of what we were doing. But what's been great about the TV stuff is that people that are, are, live near us but are not sure what happens here, they've all of a sudden they know what's going on and and they feel more part of the stables and that's that's been really lovely. The the things that people have been saying to us and the notes we've been receiving are just so heartwarming. Well, that sort of local community. Um aspect of of people was highlighted as well with with rob bryden because he's quite local to you and he said on the telly that he used to walk past the stables didn't he so yeah and um what happened in lockdown one was everybody changed their behavior so people that had never been anywhere near the stables they suddenly had nothing to do but go for a walk so so many many people discovered our existence on their daily walk and rob bryden was one of those people 
so previously, you know, he didn't know we were here. And then he started walking with his family and discovered us. But I just think it's amazing that he got behind us the way he did. And, you know, he was so kind, giving his time to go on TV for us. And just having the power of his name behind us was a real game changer for us. Now, as we were a a horse racing and cricket podcast, but just focusing on the horse racing, I wanted to uh, bring in some of the support, which you've actually already mentioned, which you received from the horse racing industry and personally it was nick luck who i thought began the process really because you were on um, his daily podcast the nick luck daily and you're also on racing tv with him he must have made a big influence to start with yeah i mean nick luck whoa i mean what a guy he he's been so good to us and um he put me on the podcast and i'd have to listen to it back I can't remember but we didn't have very much money at that point and um you know hats off to him like he got behind us and at some point I was thinking oh blimey I bet Nick Luck wishes he's never (laughs) never started this because you know he'd kind of like put his name to it hadn't he so without him I don't think we would have um had a voice in the racing community and we got so much support via Nick Luck and from Nick Luck himself, you know, even when I was sort of bouncing ideas off him and things like that, um, yeah, he's he's been absolutely brilliant to us. And I just think it's really important that, you know, if we can get that message across, because sometimes people, well, the general public have a misconception about horse racing, don't they? They don't really understand it and they stereotype people. But, you know, the, the horse racing community, the owners, the um, the trainers, the the fans of horse racing, they've all got behind us, and they've all they all really wanted us to succeed. And quite frankly, without them, we, there's no way we would have got to the halfway point because it was really the local community, people that knew us, and the racing community that got us to the five fifty before we got on um, BBC Breakfast. Well, hats off then to to Nick Luck. Um, I mean, he's an excellent broadcaster, and. Two trainers I know that supported you were Fergal O'Brien and John Joe O'Neill. And um, I contacted John Joe O'Neill and he very kindly came back with a, a quote. It, it's quite a long but very detailed one. I'm just going to read it out for the programme. I'm so pleased to know this fantastic stables has been so well supported and are now able to keep going and provide its wonderful service. Horses, like all animals, can be so calming and give support mentally and physically to us all and connect with us in a way far different to people especially in a big city it's lovely these horses can give a change of scene and escapism to so many deserving recipients it's important great causes like this get recognized and i'm delighted for this happy ending yeah i mean it's just i mean it's like stuff of dreams isn't it for john joe o'neill to get behind you and Fergal O'Brien, I mean, they've been so good to us. And um, like Fergal O'Brien emailed me and said, if there's anything you need, just let me know. And then when we were successful, he sent me another email and said, like, he's going to come here when he can. Um, He really wants to come and see us all. And he said that I can take the kids there, you know, to see the horses training. And yeah, I mean, it's just, 
yeah, it's stuff of dreams, isn't it, for, for people like that to get behind us and just just have the time to, to take notice of us. And I, th I think that's, um, that's re really so kind of them because, like I say, it's a to total different spectrum of the horse world, isn't it? But at the end of the day, we all love horses and we're all working with horses and people. So although although it's completely different things, we're, we've got a lot of similarities, really. Well, you're connected with pony racing. And I say, we said in an earlier podcast that both Holly Doyle and Tom Marquand both started in pony racing, like a lot of other jockeys. So there's that connection. Yeah. yeah and the thing is, everyone has to start somewhere, don't they? I know a lot of the kids of the trainers do the pony racing and obviously they've got um, great opportunities and and fast ponies. Um, but, you know, with the, we're talking about kids that would never have the opportunity to ride if we weren't here. And we're giving them a gateway into the industry. And, you know, we hope that they'll remain in racing for, their, for the duration of their careers. But, yeah, we're kind of... We're giving them their first taste of racing and and showing them that it is available to them and that you know anybody can do it if they if they're prepared to work hard. And you also had a video uh, prepared by you know the very famous racing and sports presenter Claire Balding. Yeah, so um, Claire is she works quite closely with RDA in general so um yeah she she very kindly put her support behind us as well which you know um having having her sort of stamp of approval is really really important and really powerful so yeah we're really really grateful to Claire and yeah like I say she does she does know quite a lot about RDA and racing so you know she had quite a clear idea of of what goes on here really and you've been getting quite a few invites as well. You've got an invite to Newmarket Gallops and you've also got an invite from a very famous racehorse owner, Her Majesty the Queen. Yeah, so um, one of our volunteers, Bess, she was actually one of our pony racers. Um, she raced at Ascot on Bob the Cobb and um, she wrote to the Queen and um, I did actually say to her, what, what on earth did you ask the Queen? Um, and she said that she wrote to the Queen and she told the Queen about the stables and I think she told her about her race day at Ascot. And then very um, cleverly, she asked the Queen if she had any ideas of how that she could help the stables. But but actually, um, the then we got a letter after we'd succeeded and uh, the letter was written to Bess and it said that the Queen was inviting 12 volunteers to go to Buckingham Palace and meet the horses there. So, um, so the young people could see how they care for their horses and the role of the horses at the Royal Muse. So, I mean, how amazing is that? I think it's just so brilliant that the young people are getting um, recognition because, you know, everybody knows that horses are hard work, but we have young people that will rock up here at like 7am in the morning, you know, and they're mucking out and they're doing all the grooming, they'll be exercising them in COVID. And it's just amazing that they've been recognised in this way. I'm so, so pleased for them. So how old was the volunteers that wrote to the Queen? She is, uh, she's 17 now. Yeah, so, um, and she said that she's going to put names in a hat to see, you know, who should go. Because obviously we've got about 150 volunteers. 
and they can't all go. <laughs> so I said, I'm certainly not deciding. So Bess said she'll put um, their names in a hat and then she'll do it that way because that seems to be the most fair way, really. Well, that'll be a big draw when it takes place, won't it? I yeah. know. We might have to do it Facebook Live or something. So it's definitely yeah. And of course, you had support previously from uh, the Princess Royal, who's already previously been to uh, Park Lane Stables, didn't you? Yeah, we did. So the Princess Royal came in 2016. Um, and it's quite funny because lots of people were writing to the Princess Royal. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, poor woman. She's getting hundreds of letters from these children thinking that, you know, she's going to fix it. Um, and she did write back to all the children that wrote to her and the adults. And basically, she said that when the COVID's over, she's going to come. So, yeah, that that's really exciting. Um, and that will be a really special day. So we'll look forward to that when um, when it's safe for her to come and visit us again. And presumably the visit to the palace will obviously be when things return to normal, hopefully later in the summer. Yeah, they said they'll contact us in June. So um, I think, yeah, it'll as Boris goes, it's supposed to be after June the 21st, isn't it? Things are getting back to some sort of normal. So I imagine it will be some time after that. But it's something really nice to look forward to, isn't it, in the summer? Certainly is, yeah. And you've mentioned the very kind racehorse owner who's donated 50000 But are there any um, other people you'd especially like to thank while you're on the paddock and the pavilion? Yeah, I mean, I, I could be like an Oscar speech here because so many people have, have helped us. I mean, I've already mentioned Nick Luck, but I've got to say thank you to him again because, you know, for believing from from the start, really. There was a, a volunteer called Kathy Cooper who was doing a lot of photography and social media and just getting it out to her network and then she got some people to make some really beautiful things that we were sort of um, selling for, for quite significant donations. So, um, but to be honest, there's, there's so many people. I mean, there's, there's children that were pushing leaflets through people's doors and children that were decorating their windows in the hope that other people would see it and share it. And they were baking cakes and doing sponsored skipping in their garden. I mean, it was like an army of people, you know, that, that were doing anything that they could to to make it happen. There was one family um, and they did a virtual um, Land's End to John O'Groat. So they were doing like a cycle or a walk each day and adding up the miles and they were getting sponsored for that. So, yeah, I mean, just just so many kind people really that, that helped us to get where we are. And Rory Bremner <laughs> deserves a mention. Cause he, no, I saw his video, uh, yeah. Yeah, so he, he was really kind. Like he, um, he direct messaged me on Twitter and said, what can I do to help you? And then I was a little bit cheeky and said, well, could you do a video? You know, And, I, and then I thought, oh, maybe I've overstepped the mark asking him for that. But he did it. Yeah, and he also signposted us to some other funding. And yeah, really, really kind. But yeah, I mean, Basically, I need to thank 35,000 people that pledged money because that's how many people got behind us, which is, I used to go to football every week and um, at Griffin Park and it held 12,000 people. And that's what I keep saying in my head. I'm like, 
it's like three times the amount of people you can fit in Griffin Park. I mean, that's a lot of people. <laughs> so, yeah, thank, thank you to everybody, really, that believed in us and helped us. But that sort of number just tells you it was the people that saved our stables because of the, you know, the, the volume of actual supporters. Yeah, absolutely. And I did say that from day one. I, I had like a belief that um, maybe from the sort of legacy of Captain Tom that I thought, well, you know, if, if many, many people gave what they could, we could do this. Um, and obviously I had a lot of people telling me I couldn't do it, but anybody that knows me well will tell you that's my greatest motivator. If you tell me I can't do something, I'll be like, uh, I can. So probably that spurred me on when people were saying, oh, you'll never do that. That's ridiculous. But it happened, you know, it happened. And like we had a donation yesterday of one pound, uh, uh, two pages of A4, a gorgeous writing, the kindest, kindest things, and a pound. But, but that pound, you know, added up to this 1.3 million pounds, you know. So, um, yeah, that, that's how we did it. And the mystery racehorse owner, of course. <laughs> oh, mustn't forget him, no. And, no. <laughs> um, and also, you've been writing thank you letters as well. You've got a lot of letters to write. Yeah, so we're handwriting back to every single person that wrote to us um, because I just feel like they made the effort to write to us and go to a letterbox in the pandemic and, and we're going to write back to them. Someone suggested that we should print cards and I said no because... That to me, that's just that's just too impersonal. So we write back to every single person, and if they're children, we try and put a little gift for them, you know. And just and also, people have shared stories about themselves that they obviously felt that they could connect with us, you know, reasons why they love horses or why they've been touched by the story, and tell us about when they used to ride when they were younger and things like that. So. We just we're just taking the time to write back to them all, and even if it takes us like forever, we'll do it. That's very, very thoughtful of you. The postman must have been busy. Oh yeah, it's funny because um, the postman, you know, we had to give him a present every day because the amount of post that he was bringing, his arms must have been killing him. Um, I mean, it wasn't this scale that Captain Tom was getting, but it was it was. A mini version of that um and the postman would come every day and we'd bring him some chocolates or something to say thank you but we're still getting post now and then we have volunteers that come in and they open the post um and go through it and then there's actually four of us that are doing the, the um the replies at the moment as to the future when do you think you'll be able to to open again under the new rules well we're, we're aiming towards the 29th of march but we are really cautious. I mean, I'm very cautious about the COVID because, well, I'm really respectful of it. And we've come this far. We've done so well. And we're not going to fall at the last hurdle, you know. And remember, we're working with quite a lot of vulnerable people. So people are really pushing us and, you know, what, what's happening, what's happening? Well, we, we think we're going to open on the 29th of March. But what we don't know is what we'll be able to offer because if the social distancing is still in place, we don't think we'll be able to do any assisted riding. We don't think we'll be able to lend any hats. So, you know, we're taking advice on that and we're, we're um, writing the risk assessments and we're listening to our governing bodies. So we will, we will be open on the 29th, but I'm just not sure what it's going to look like 
but then I hope by the end of the summer we'll be back to normal and everybody can come again. That's the hope. Yeah, because I would imagine when we get back to some sort of normality, you'll have quite a few people just turning up to see Park Lane stables, let alone people wanting lessons and things like that. Well, we've already had that. We've had people travelling to see us and we've had to sort of gently say, well, we are in a national lockdown, Um, maybe not. Uh, You know, we, we always have, we used to have one horse outside for the public, but since we raised the money, we now have two because there's so many people coming to say well done and just just to have a look, you know, out of curiosity. So, yeah, we think that um, when the restrictions are lifted, we're going to have a lot of visitors. So we're planning for that as well. And like all the people that have purchased a brick, they're going to want to come and see their brick, aren't they? So we're, we're planning how we're going to do that and where the brick's where the display will be and so on but but yeah I'm sure everyone can understand that we've got to get it all done carefully and properly and yeah we'd love to welcome every single person all of the 35,000 but you know just when it's safe to do so and um, and we don't think we'll manage it this year because of the Covid but next year we're going to have a really big street party and close the road and just just invite everybody that wants to come and wants to see us and, and see the ponies and just so we can say a big thank you to everybody really well that'll be a popular event and you've also got all the myself included or no russian i can see you've got plenty to do now before you really get back to normal you've got all these people who are going to want their pony cuddles as well yeah the pony cuddles so um crowdfunder still being really helpful even though our campaign's over so we some we're going to offer like virtual pony cuddles for because of the covid and then what we're going to say is maybe if people are in a certain radius they can come but obviously we'll have to do it by appointment because we can't have everybody turning up at the same time it's just yeah but um to be honest we we've done the hard bit haven't we we've raised the money so I'm sure we can work our way through it and the people that have pledged they wanted us to succeed and they can see what sort of people we are so they they know we'll we'll get there we just got we just got to work it out and do it properly we've also got to write a thousand pony positivity postcards because <laughs> that was one of the ple- one of the rewards as well so a really lovely man has done a watercolor of the outside of the stables for us and we're having that made into the postcard and then we're going to write all of those as well. So we're quite busy. So are there going to be some postcards of the stables available as well, sort of thing, for people? Yeah, yeah, there will be, yeah. And um, uh, people were asking to buy the T-shirt that I was wearing on the telly. Oh, the pink uh, one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, the lady that made the T-shirt for me, she's put that on her website and we've put a link so if people really want one but we need to change it to saved our stables because it says save but I think she's changed it so there's a D on the end so then if people want to buy one to say they help save the stables then they can so yeah but we we will we'll thank every person well some people want it to be anonymous which is, we totally respect but if we've got people's details, we will manage to thank them. It might just take us a little while, that's all. And who are the two friends behind you as we draw to a close? We've got Elliot, you said. Lily. Sorry, Lily. Lily, yeah. 
There she is. That's Lily. Yeah, she's very quiet. Yeah. Um, oh, and Elliot's gone to sleep. The other one. Has he? He's, uh, he's obviously not not a follower of the paddock and the pavilion. <laughs> well, they've just he's just come in from the field. So they when they've been out in the field, they're quite chilled, aren't they? So he's just having a lie down now. I think. Um, <laughs> Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night snooze, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much again, Natalie, for being on the paddock and the pavilion. I'm sure our, our listeners will keep a, a close eye out for the Park Lane stables. And um, I'm sure some of those uh, people who donated um, listen to the programme and will probably at some time during 2021 and come and come along and visit you. That would be lovely. Yeah, we'd love that. And just, um, yeah, just a huge thank you to to all your listeners that got behind us because one or two of them have sort of reached out to me on uh, email. So it's, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, just thank you because we couldn't have done it without you. Simple as that. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pad. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.